Now I understand God shows no partiality between nations that are seeking to follow God. This is just unbelievable. It is incredible that Peter would say such a thing. While I've been sitting uh, up front here at my angle looking out on 81, I've noticed a few motorcycles pass by. Guys and gals get uh, anxious to get out on their bikes when the weather starts to turn like this. I've mentioned that I uh, was blessed to grow up riding motorcycles. In fact, our family still has my very first bike, a Honda Trail 50. Imagine I'm just about 50 years old and it still runs. Uh, and I can still remember standing next to my dad at the little uh, Honda dealership in South Minneapolis all those years ago when he was wheeling and dealing with the guy. And uh, dad finally said, look, if you'll take 275, I'll put it in the back of the truck and we'll take it with us. And the guy said yes, and I just about keeled over. I couldn't even believe it. I was so excited. Over the years, I've had various uh, bikes, uh, all kinds of them. I currently have just a dirt bike, but along the way, I've had a couple of larger uh, kind of cruiser type motorcycles meant for rolling up the real miles. Uh, and years ago, I mentioned that if you don't ride, there is something happening that uh, most of you are unaware of as you drive around in your cars when motorcycles pass one another uh, going the opposite direction, especially if it's a not really a busy road or they're coming up on an intersection or something that demand, demands their full attention, they will nearly always acknowledge each other with a little wave. Uh, various styles of this wave. Some guys uh, do the drop down low wave like here almost to keep it secret so the cars don't see it. Some some people, it's just a couple of fingers off the, uh, off the handlebar, off your grip. Uh, when uh, our youngest, Clara, was little and she would go on rides with me, she planted behind me, and we, had, we could speak to each other through the little thing I had mounted in the helmets. And she just loved that aspect, and she would always ask me, because she was hidden behind me, too short to see, when we'd pass another bike and she'd see it go by. Did they wave, Dad? Did they wave? You know. Well, there were certain bikes that didn't always wave, and they were Harleys. Harley riders are a particular breed. <laughs> and uh, it's an exclusive uh, mystique built around the brand. I often say Harley riders spend more on their gear, you know, their jackets and their, and their uh, branded gear than they do on the bike half the time. But H Harley riders, if they have time to see that you're coming on a bike that isn't a Harley, they may not wave to you. And uh, so this kind of exclusive nature of the Harley brand uh, actually was recognized by the CEO some time ago as, a, as an issue, and they had to work on it because it was intimidating and people felt like this was a this was a community that I might not be able to break into so exclusive and of course the thing is that for years 
much of the church has been aware that we have a similar challenge. Uh, and those of us who are regular churchgoers, we, we come and go from this place when we're allowed and, and, and we, we just don't notice this. But for the first time visitor, uh, it can be a real anxiety producing experience to come into this strange facility. Uh, everything about it is different and, and they're, they're worried. You know, am I gonna be able to find the bathroom if I need it? Am, uh, exactly where should I sit? And there's all kinds of horror stories of some active member telling a visitor, you're in my place. I mean, I, <laughs> I've never heard someone tell me that happened to them here at Prince of Peace, but uh, it does happen. You know, and then there's the whole business with the hymnal books and where, where how do you find your place and, where, you know, <laughs> When it tells you to turn to page 360 in the, in the green book, well, there was a page 360, but also there was a hymn number 360. So, you know, which 360 am I supposed to turn to? And some people never find their place until the end of the service. Uh, people worry about these things. Uh, you know, if there's that Holy Communion thing, am I supposed to go? Am I not? What do you do? I mean, it's really, it can really bring up a, a lot of anxiety and people feel like that. And, and then the thing, the real thing that gets people is when they walk in, the most terrifying part of church for a first-time visitor is often the coffee fellowship hour. Because it's obvious to the, to the visitor that everybody knows everybody else. And, I, and, I, and it feels, you know, people like to describe their church as a church family. Well, Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but in, in 10 years, you've never heard me use that language, nor will you. I mean, I get the sentiment, but a family is a hard thing to break into if you're not a part of it by birth. And so the first-time visitor feels as though they may have stumbled into somebody's living room when they come into that coffee fellowship hour and see the excitement and the engagement, and then it's a very difficult and intimidating thing to break into. So the church has always has to guard against creating the kind of conditions of an exclusive private club, e even a public club for that matter. Picking up where Pastor Natalia left off last week with Philip and that incredible Ethiopian eunuch who asked, you know, why not me? What's to keep me from being baptized? The reading we just heard from the book of Acts suggests that this, this struggle, this ongoing struggle with who's in and who's out in the church and, and why, it's been going on from the very beginning. We're looking at the first century church here. As we follow the growth of the first century church through the book of Acts, and we get to this 10th chapter and the 11th chapter, it can be confusing. So we'll just unpack it just a little bit this morning. Peter had come to be the, the, the leader of this new Jewish sect of people following the risen Christ, but he was still convinced that his mission <clears throat> and the mission of the church ought to be to his own people, to the Jewish 
people, his own nation. And it's understandable. I mean, Peter had, had been taught his whole life and he believed that they were the chosen people of God, blessed to be a blessing to the nations. So they were also much persecuted and oppressed. So insiders were necessarily those whom you could trust. Outsiders could often be outright dangerous. The oppressors, the invaders, and those people who, though they were Jewish by birth, they conspired and worked with the Romans against their own people. Think of tax collectors. Most of the time they were, they were Jewish people because they knew who was in the community, and so they, the Romans uh, would use them and they would be able to, you know, skim a little bit off the top for themselves while they collected taxes on behalf of the occupying Roman uh, imperial government. Uh, snitches of all kinds. I mean, probably the, the greatest example of this is those 30 silver coins, huh, that were paid to Judas. So in such a volatile, dangerous, religious, and political situation, it's not hard to understand why you would want to kind of circumscribe groups, how you'd want to divide people into categories. You had to know who was in the club, who had the secret way, you know, who knew, and, and who did not. It kept you safe. But then Peter gets this mind-blowing vision, this this surprising vision. God brought Peter together with a man named Cornelius. Uh, Cornelius is not an insider. Uh, he is, of all things, a centurion. So he's not only a, a, a Roman, he's a Roman military officer in charge of a hundred other soldiers, a centurion. He's not an insider. He is not safe. This is who Peter is being sent to. Now, in the same way that Peter would never eat unclean animals, he would not have gone into the home of a Gentile, to say nothing of a, of a Roman soldier. And he certainly would have eaten a Gentile's food. But Peter follows this vision, and he goes to meet with this Cornelius and his family and all the group that's there at his house. And to his credit, Peter figures out what this is all about. It's not just about... You know, what they eat, it's about who they have tel uh, table fellowship with. It's about the company they keep. It's about the club and, and, and where the line is drawn. And Peter says, and there's no possible way for you and I to get the radical sort of impact of this insight that he has. I, 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 this morning I was trying to come up with an analogy and I couldn't even think of one. But Peter says, now I understand God shows no partiality between nations that are seeking to follow God. This is just unbelievable. It is incredible that Peter would say such a thing. Now I understand this is Peter, who his entire life, his whole identity is wrapped up in being one of God's chosen people, blessed to be a blessing to the nations, and Peter says, now I get it. God shows no partiality for, uh, between nations that are seeking to follow God. And then he breaks with precedent 
and with tradition and with protocol and with just good order and all the rules, and, and he shares the best stuff they have, the good news about Jesus with Cornelius and his family and the crowd of other Romans at this soldier's house. And by the end of this story, Cornelius and his household are, are baptized. <laughs> and once again, the rules about who could join the club at the time, as uh, known at the time as the people of the way. Who could be a part of this movement, this, this ever-growing and expanding community? Those rules had been shattered and again rewritten. And this is another one of those moments that becomes possible for you and me on this sunny morning to be included as well. A bit later, the report about what Peter has done reaches, you know, the church council, reaches, it reaches Jerusalem, it reaches all of his disciples and, and friends, and they are baffled, and they just can't imagine what Peter is doing. I mean, our best stuff. The gospel of our risen Christ, who they crucified, and he's out there just spilling it all over the place in some Roman centurion's house and baptizing everybody. I mean, nobody had time there to, to, to go through catechism, to learn what this is about. It's just obscene. So Peter's got to explain himself. The club is the club. And only certain people are allowed in. So Peter returns to Jerusalem to explain himself, and he tells them, you know, if God gave them the same gifts that God gave us when, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and who was I that I could prevent God from working? Who am I to stop God, Peter says. And this question, it echoes through the ages in the church through times of war, times of peace, pandemics, and prosperity. To whom are we being sent? And how are some of our personal preferences, habits, church traditions, how might some of these things be forming barriers to those who see themselves somehow on the outside of the church? We are constantly reminded by the scriptures that being a member, even of Prince of Peace, for instance, cannot primarily be about what the church can do for me. It also can't be about what the church can get out of you. Engaging with this congregation is simply a way for me to say, I believe this community of faith makes a difference in this area and the world beyond, and I feel good about being among the people who are making that happen as we live out our mission to grow deep and reach out. 
We come from all kinds of backgrounds, and I see God's hand work at work creating the kind of community, frankly, that no person in their might, right mind would have imagined or set about trying to create. You know, clubs tend to appeal to people with similar backgrounds and similar interests and even ideologies. And they can become exclusive. This is a little off track, but I was thinking of when I, um, <clears throat> when I, had, a, I had a BMW 1200C. It was a particular cruiser-type motorcycle, and they didn't make it for very many years, so there weren't that many out there. So the guys, people who had this bike would find each other and create clubs. And so out east, I, I joined the, the 1200C club, and then we'd do rides together. And I always joked with the girls who were little that I, that dad was in a biker gang. And, uh, <laughs> and that was uh, until I hosted one of the rides, and they all met at our house, and the girls were like, Dad, they're all grandpas. So, <laughs> so there went my street cred. But our community uh, is called to witness to the expansive love of God in Christ. Our mission is to show with our lives the compassion of Jesus. Ethiopian eunuchs, yeah, we are sent. Roman centurions, we are sent. Serving those in need in far-flung places, with Jamaica, rural villages scattered around Tanzania, we are sent. People in need in our neighborhoods, our schools, shut-ins, suffering from social injustice, racial inequities, were sent right into the middle of it, into the grinding gears of this dysfunction. Who's next? That's always the question for the faithful church. Who's next? Not how can we get more people to come inside, but how can we get the inside out? We made our way over here earlier this morning before you all got here, even though it would have been much easier to gather us inside. It's still a bit safer, so we set up all this equipment, all these mics and speakers and, and uh, Nick's rat's nest of cables we set it outside to make sure that you got the news. Wherever you are, the good news that no matter who you are or where you happen to be at this moment, you are included in the answer to the question, who's next? There's no secret wave. There's no purity test or Bible quiz. We set up out here with a proclamation, with news to share, good news, 
this gospel is entrusted to the church. It is our very best stuff. God in Christ sees you. God in Christ hears you. Your fears, your grieving, your generosity, your shame, your anxiety, your boredom, your passion, your confession, all of it. All of you. And along with the Ethiopian eunuch and Cornelius and Peter and all the rest, you are a beloved child of God. Inside and out. So having once again uh, received this good news, the proclamation, the gospel of our salvation, uh, we are again sent. How, how could this good news, having reached us, this, this best stuff that the church has, stop with us? It must always go looking for who's next. And so that's, you know, that's where we go from here. We leave this uh, parking lot. We leave our homes uh, and we head out into the world, the world uh, full of strife and division, a world um, suffering, uh, and, and into this world we are sent. But we don't go fearful, uh, we don't go condemned, we don't go out to earn our way into this community. We go because we have been claimed forgiven. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.